Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. We are going to be looking at Acts 15. And on Mobilize, I encourage you to be praying for today's service. And not only that, but to actually read Acts 15. We're not looking at the whole chapter. We're just looking down to verse 35. And so I put it up there for you to listen to and I put it up there for you to read if you had the time and the chance to. Because does anybody know, I know that for the last four weeks it's been different, but before that when we've been looking at Acts, does anybody remember the name that we gave this series? Yes, we've called it Faith in Action. And the reason is, is twofold, in my mind anyway, is because Acts is all about the doing. It's all about people at working their faith, not just talking about faith, but actually doing something about it. And second fold is, that's what we want to happen as we listen to these messages and that we get inspired by what happened long ago but really did happen to inspire us in our own faith and to actually put it into action. And so if that has not been your experience, if you have not been inspired to grow and to do something out of this series in Acts, then I'm really sorry about that because we have done a disservice to what we intended it to be. Because the Bible makes it really clear that listening to the word of God is great and fantastic and is necessary. And if you're not actually hearing the word of God, you need to. But if all you do is hear the word of God, you're missing out. Not only are you missing out because the Bible says that we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, we should be doers of it, but you're missing out because it is life-changing for us. But it is not life-changing when you just hear something. It is life-changing because of what you do out of what you've heard. And so I would really encourage you that if you're getting nothing out of the sermons that we've had, out of reading God's word for yourself, to actually ask yourself, how much am I actually trying to put what I'm reading and hearing into practice? Because what you will find is that when we hear the word of God and when we actually do something about it, then we actually want to go back to the word of God to learn more because we realise how much we don't know because we've actually in the midst of actually working it out. We know that God is loving and that as we sang, that that love should flow from us to other people. But it's only when we love people and it's tricky and hard that we actually go back to God's word and say, God, how do I do this better? Because this isn't straightforward. And so it actually leads us to actually want to read God's word more, to hear from him more when we put things into practice because not only are we becoming more like Jesus, but we realise how far from Jesus we are at the same time. 
And I learned a long time ago, there's a book called The Seven Laws of the Learner. Can't remember right now who wrote it. But one of the laws is, it is the person doing the teaching's job to help the people understand and learn. So if you're being, if you're tuning out and falling asleep and not paying attention, well, that's on you. But if you're paying attention and you still don't learn and understand, then that's on me. And the sad thing is that I learned a number of years ago, doesn't matter how long you've been reading God's word, it is still life-changing because we never are going to be fully who Jesus is. So there's always things for us to learn, always things for us to grow. But the great thing is we are not meant to do it alone. There is my own responsibility for my relationship, but there's a collective that actually helps us in the way that we grow. And you may think that all of this has nothing to do with Acts 15, but it actually has everything to do with Acts 15. Because for those of you who read or listened to Acts 15, you will know that Acts 15, the title of it in most Bibles is the Council of Jerusalem. And if you've ever read Acts before or know a bit of the history of the church, this is such a significant thing that happened in the life of Christians. And looking around the room, and I don't know everybody's nationality, but unless there is a Jewish person here, this is so significant for us. Is there anybody who has any Jewish relatives in their background or are Jewish themselves? No. So that means if this did not happen, we would be living a very different life. Because what happened here is, and as we know from other places in Acts, that Peter had a vision from God that said, hey, what I've made clean, don't you make unclean. So go to Cornelius' house, who's a Gentile, and share the gospel with him. So Peter realised that this gospel message, this Jesus, isn't just for the Jews. But what does that look like and what does that mean? And you have Paul and Barnabas who are going around preaching and teaching in, non, in Jewish synagogues and Gentiles are hearing and believing and want to follow Jesus. So what does that mean? Because the disciples were all Jewish. And so there had to be a time when they said, how does Jesus fit into these Gentiles who are wanting to believe in him? How Jewish do they have to be to follow and believe in Jesus? And so there were some people that came to Antioch where Paul and Barnabas were and said, we believe that if you want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, that you need to be circumcised first. Because to be Jewish and male, you had to be circumcised. That was one of the signs that you were God's people that God set up long, long ago in Abraham's time. And the Jewish people still today follow that commandment. And so they came with good intentions but asking this question, we've got these Gentiles who are believing in Jesus but not following the Jewish ways, so pretty much you have to become Jewish to follow Jesus. And there were some other people with really good intentions that said, who were Jewish, who said, I don't believe that to be true. And Paul and Barnabas were one of those people. 
So there was an argument and a discussion about do you have to be circumcised to be able to believe in Jesus? And there were some people who thought, yes, you do, and some people thought that, no, you don't. And unfortunately, there was nothing in the Old Testament to tell them either way. And doesn't that frustrate you about the Bible sometimes? That, like, you've got to make a decision. You want to do it God's way, but it doesn't clearly say, this is the way you should date someone. This is the way that you should do this. This is the job you should take. I personally would love like a Bible written just for Tanya that tells me every decision I need to make and how I should make it. Wouldn't that be easier? And it frustrates me that Luke finished writing Acts when he did. Luke is the person who wrote Acts because I wanted to have an understanding of where Paul went after Acts was finished. But we don't know, well, we know that by, but you've got to do all this study and look at different books to work out where he went. When Luke could have just kept on writing, made it easier for us. But that doesn't happen and it didn't happen back then. So they weren't sure what they should do. There were some people in the camp of you should get circumcised to become a follower of Jesus and there are some that saying you don't have to. So what do you do in that situation? And that's what Acts 15 tells us. And that's what we're going to look at today. So, as I said, it's not all of 15. There's a bit of 15 that we'll look at another time. But the first thing they did is that Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on the way. So instead of just arguing and splitting and saying, I'm just going to believe what I believe and you're just going to believe what you believe, they went, let's actually go seek some counsel here. Let's go see the elders, the apostles. Let's get some wisdom. And so we collectively are going to send Paul and Barnabas and some others to go find out what the conclusion of this dilemma is because we can't work it out among ourselves. Then we find the apostles and elders met to consider the question. So they get asked, do you have to be circumcised and follow Jesus? And it wasn't just a simple, oh, yes, let's go to this verse and this is exactly the answer. They met together to consider, yeah, what is the way to do things here? How does it have to outwork itself? What does God actually want in this case? And then after much discussion, which unfortunately, again, Luke doesn't tell us what the discussion is. I'm like, give me some detail. Come on. Wouldn't it be great to be able to go, oh, this was like the different points they came up with, but we mustn't need to know that because it's not there. Peter got up and addressed them. And Peter tells his experience and says, you guys have already heard this. But this has been my experience. These Gentiles, this is the Tanya version, not the biblical version. These Gentiles have, like, heard the good news and responded. Just like we responded and they weren't circumcised. Then James gets up and says this. 
the words of the prophet are in agreement with this. So they go to the word of God. So Peter shares from his own experience. And then they go to the word of God and say, this is what the prophets say. And they share from the, what we consider the Old Testament. And James continues to talk about what he thinks should happen in this scenario. And then the apostles and elders with the whole church decide to choose some men of their own and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. So they choose Judas and men who were leading among the believers and they sent them the following letter. So they had this discussion. Peter talks about his experience. James takes them to the word of God and shares a bit and they decide they should send this letter. And I'm going to read what the letter said. The elders and apostles, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, greetings. We've heard that some went away from us without our authority and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and to send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their own lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they say this, Therefore we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seems good to us and the Holy Spirit not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. So not only do they like write a letter, but they say, this is such an important issue. We want to make sure that there's people who can like speak to it as well. We're going to send some people that we trust with Barnabas and Paul to come back to you to make sure that you know that this is what we collectively have decided is the way forward on this important issue that you've been discussing. And so they decide that you are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols from blood and the meat of strangled animals from sexual immorality. You would do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So they don't even say this is wrong and this is right and this is the way forward. They just say... You as Gentiles, these are the only things that we think that would be good for you to abide by because it's actually, like, beneficial for you. Anything else, follow as Jesus and the Holy Spirit lead you. But it is really interesting, this word that we see often that, says in, that begins at verse 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And I love the order of that too. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, not just it seemed good to us and I'm sure the Holy Spirit like agrees. And so the collective made a call as to what was going to happen. And that has made a massive impact on your life, particularly if you happen to be male and a Christian. Because you can be circumcised, but you don't actually have to be. When if they came up with a different solution, that would make a difference to you now. So some men in verse 30 were sent off and went down to Antioch. They gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. I think that is such an awesome statement. So the church collectively, who had had this discussion about 
what, whether they should be circumcised or not to be a follower of Jesus. And it becomes such a discussion that they couldn't decide for themselves and had to ask other people. When the answer came back, there wasn't an ongoing debate. They didn't say, hang on, that's not what my position is. They were glad for its encouraging message. And then we see that Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, had said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. Again, what do they say? We don't know. But we know that it strengthened the believers, not just the Gentiles, not just the Jewish believers, but the believers, the collective, and encouraged them. So they spent some time there, and then they were sent off with the blessing of the people. They went back to Jerusalem, and Paul and Barnabas stayed, and with many others, and they continued to preach and share the good news of Jesus. What a great outline of how to do disagreement well. Church history is full of well-meaning people who think they've got the word of God disagreeing and not knowing how to disagree well. And so we have different denominations, we have churches that have been split, we have been people who have been so wounded because people, not because people disagree so much, but because what do you do when you do disagree? What do you do when you disagree? And there's probably much like three like main things that I think people do if they disagree that are not the best thing to do. They just bury it and like get really angry within themselves but nobody knows that they are really angry until much later and then they're like, what are you angry about? And they're like, I'm angry about something that happened three years ago but you just never knew about it. Or everybody knows about it straight away that they are angry and they're not going to back down and relationships get broken. Or they talk to everybody else apart from the people they have disagreements about and it becomes much bigger than it ever needed to be because they don't want to talk to the people they have the disagreement about but they're happy to talk to everybody else about it. Not to get their wisdom and their insight but just to vent. And so then more people can be annoyed at the disagreement that's being happened, not because it's their disagreement, but just because for the sake of the person they've shared with, they're now annoyed and it becomes bigger than it ever needs to be. But we see in Acts 15, having the benefit of allowing other people to speak in to a disagreement, trusting wise people who have wisdom and accepting what that outcome is and being encouraged by that outcome even if it wasn't your position to begin with. And this church 
was probably stronger and more unified because they knew the way forward and was all happy to actually move the way forward than they were before because they knew how to disagree well and because my theory and thinking is that those who thought circumcision was needed actually thought that was what God was saying. The people who thought circumcision wasn't needed actually thought that was what God was saying. And so both parties actually wanted to know what God was saying. They weren't trying to push major agendas. Now, if you read Galatians 2, they do, people don't know for sure, but a lot of people would believe that Paul, who wrote Galatians just before he went to Jerusalem, to have this discussion and he gives some outline as to what sort of happened that we don't get in Acts and he talks about these people coming and bringing division among the church because of the circumstances and that Peter and a few others started not hanging out with the Gentiles because they started to go oh yeah should we really do this or not but I don't think that that negates the fact that they actually both wanted to follow God they just had different ideas as to what that looked like. And if you had grown up and been told, mixing with Gentiles makes you unclean, being unclean means that you cannot enter the presence of God, that's a really hard thing to break away from and say, hey, brother, let me eat with you, let me connect with you. Like it wasn't an easy thing for the Jewish Christians to just go, oh, yes, now because of Jesus, I can mix and have dinner and connect with Gentiles just like I can my Jewish brothers when all their life up until that point, they were told, rightly so because the Old Testament actually told them to, to separate themselves from people and keep themselves clean and the way to do that was da 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 so we're not talking about just a preference that they were trying to get over. We're talking about an inbuilt way that they believed they were honouring God, that Jesus came and said, we are all one. There is no Jews and Gentiles. There's no males and females. There's no slave and free. We are all one in Jesus. Okay, but what does that look like? This is not an easy topic to... You know, it's not like painting the walls and we're arguing over that. Like this was a big thing for them. And changing the way that they believed they were honouring God by separating themselves and then coming to the conclusion we don't have to do that anymore is a huge thing that I think we need to get when we read these kind of things to understand the gravity of them saying we're encouraged and we as the believers are all like going forward here and what Silas and Judas would have had to be able to prophesy because of their gift of prophecy to bring the church together again would have been great to hear because it's probably really great stuff because it actually made the Jews and the Gentiles who as I said grew up the Jews particularly being told if you step inside that house you are unclean and that means that before God you are unclean and that's not what you want, to let's have dinner together, let's have meals together, let's be one, is a huge change. 
But because they both wanted to know what God was saying, I believe that is one of the keys that meant they were able to disagree well. Because at the heart of it, they didn't care what the answer was. They just wanted to know what God was saying. And so can I encourage us to have that posture when we don't agree or even when we don't know? If you're wondering what is God saying, don't just keep that to yourself. Use the collective and ask for wisdom from other people. There could be someone that you know that has been through a similar situation, that doesn't mean you need to follow in their footsteps, but they could bring wisdom into your situation that can help you make a decision that is actually the one that God wants and not just the one that's in your own head. Listen to those who have gifts of prophecy and let them encourage you in that space because then we can hear what God is saying Because as I said before, the Bible doesn't tell us everything that we should be doing. If we have a disagreement, let's disagree well and talk to the people we have the disagreement with, with the heart and the posture that says, I want to know what God says here. And I'm trusting that you know what what God says here. And so let's discuss and work together, the Bible tells us to work out our faith with fear and trembling. And if we do that collectively, we have a much, much better chance of being able to say it seemed right to the Holy Spirit and us to move in this direction in unity and move in this direction confidently because it's not just, oh, Tanya, I think this is a good idea, so I'll just do it but the collective actually believes this is a good idea. And there is weight to that and there is wisdom in that that is greater than my wisdom. Proverbs has a lot of things to say about this. These are a couple of things that Proverbs tells us that makes you go, hmm. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 11 says, where there is no guidance, people fall, but in abundance of counselling there is safety. Proverbs 3, 7 says, be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. There is something that says if we're not actually wanting and seeking the things of the Holy Spirit, our natural desire is for self and that gets us in the way what God actually wants and we want to be people that know the heart of God and that that is what leads us and guides us not our own way and the best way of doing that is in the collective the New Testament is mainly written in Greek and I do not know Greek but those who do know Greek will be able to tell you that a lot of the wording that gets translated into English misses the point a lot and one of the ways it misses the point is in the fact that the Bible can make it seem like it's all about me 
when actually the way it's written is an us-we mindset, not a I mindset. But in the Western world, we do make it the most important person in the world, myself. So we can read the Bible and say, it says that God will give me the desires of my heart and go, fantastic, and not read the rest of the verses and in context, which will give you a better understanding, but we won't go into that. But it actually is a collective that Jesus and God is actually more about than about the individual, which is brilliant because we're never meant to live life alone. And when it comes to the Christian life, if you think that you can do it by yourself, you will find out very quickly that you can't or be really, really hard. So being able to find people, and it doesn't have to be every Christian, but finding people that you can be vulnerable with, who you actually say, these people know me, and when I ask them a question, their wisdom and their love that they're giving is based on knowledge and not just based on a good idea, is so helpful for us to actually become more who Jesus wants us to be and to fail well and to disagree well because it's not just about me and it's not just about you, but it's about the kingdom of God, which is an us thing. And that's what they did in Acts 15. Paul and Barnabas could have just said, this is the way it is. Everybody should agree with me. Bad luck. Move on. And there are times later on, particularly with the authority that Paul gets, that he does say that sometimes to some churches. He writes letters and says, you've asked for my counsel. This is my counsel. This is the way that it should be. Because people are seeking his wisdom and counsel. But in this case, we see going to wiser people because the heart is to actually follow the things of God they come back and the church is unified with the way forward. And this never gets, like, this is never a big issue again in the New Testament about should you be circumcised because it was decided. And so they're able to move forward in confidence because of the steps that they took and the way that they actually handled this disagreement. And so let's be people who care more about what God is saying than us being right. So when we do disagree, let's discuss and do that well in a way that means we actually are unified and move forward and doesn't bring division. Let me pray. God, I really want to thank you that you are a God who does care. You care about the decisions that we make. You care about the life that we live, that you are not a distant God that just says do whatever. And I want to thank you that you gave us the Holy Spirit. You gave us the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to be our counsellor, to be our guide. I want to thank you that you gave us your word that is that double-edged sword that does bring truth and life to us, God. And so I pray, Lord, that we will be people who learn how to disagree well, to learn how to focus on what you're saying and care more about that than our own opinion and our own ways of doing things. And I pray, Lord, that you would just strengthen us as individuals in a church to be unified in the things of yourself. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church. 